Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey everybody, David Gill here and welcome to The Edge podcast. Glad to be back. Today we're talking all about flying cars. Yes, you heard that right. You read the title right. Before we get into it, a real quick announcement. We have a new member of the Edge Podcast Network. Not really sure if you would call it a network or not when it's only one show so far, but we're going with it. We're flying with unbridled hubris into the sunset. Kind of kind of like the, the flying cars that we'll be talking about in a second. But yeah, uh, newcomer Miss Marissa Jacobus will have her own show within this show. Uh, or it will be within the same podcast feed, I should say. But she's going to talk about more lifestyle and health stuff. It'll be a good contrast from the tech and business that I'm talking about all the time. So I'm excited for it. Although I'm sure she'll talk tech and business too at some point if she wants to. Uh, her first episode did go up last Friday, so be sure to give it a listen if you have not yet. Uh, that kind of leads me into the new schedule for this podcast uh, every Tuesday and Friday. So I will be on Tuesdays. She will be on Fridays. So, so be sure to subscribe. A wink, wink. Uh, and you can listen to both. And by the way, for all of you hardcore uh, marketing listeners that we have out there, we actually have three, I was going to say two, but we actually have a new one that just went up really recently as well. Three new articles up on The Edge. Uh, go to mgredge.com. Three new articles up there all about marketing for all the hardcore marketing people. I believe one of them is a complete guide on the new GDPR data rules, how to use user data, um, which goes May 25th, I think. This Friday is the day that, that becomes officially enacted and then a couple other marketing articles as well anyways goodreads definitely check those out if you're interested and now let's talk about flying cars uber uh google and how this is all going to shake down but first roll the intro with the most underrated rapper in the game right now mr vince staples you ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. Over the past few weeks, there's been a flurry of news and conferences all discussing the potential for flying cars becoming a reality. About a month ago, the CEO of Google, Larry Page, gave an update on his side company, which, as an aviation nerd, I love the name Kitty Hawk. Uh, it's referencing the Kitty Hawk plane that the Wright brothers famously flew in their first flight. But Larry Page gave an update saying that flying taxis would soon be a reality and that testing is going very well in New Zealand where the government gave the company air clearance to test their aircraft. And now Uber is making a major push towards creating a network of flying Ubers that would work the same as the app does now, except you'll be flying to your destination. Who needs stupid roads? This is all coming after Bell Laboratories, Bell Labs, Airbus, Boeing, and 
others all announced they are working on prototypes for flying cars. And at the Uber Elevate Summit earlier this month, the world as we know it may have changed. The 70-year-old science fiction fantasy that is flying cars just got real. So the way I see it, there are four main things that need to be addressed by the flying car companies to become real. I'm calling them my four pillars of reality. So let's go over them real quick. First is cost. These air taxis have to be cheap enough to build and operate so that they can charge a low enough fare so that it makes economic sense for someone to want to take a flying taxi to go somewhere. The novelty of being a flying taxi is certainly appealing, and I'm sure it will drive sales early on. I'm sure, you know, I'd love to take a, a flight on a flying taxi for the fun of it, but just like a children's toy, the novelty will wear off quickly, leaving you with no customers if the flights are too expensive. And by the way, flying cars do already exist. It's called a helicopter. They're just way too expensive and loud, which I'm going to talk about in a second, later pillars. Um, but they're just way too expensive for people to use them as a means of transportation. That's why people don't. So that's pillar one, making these cost effective. Pillar two is the design, and most notably, the sound. Aircraft of all kinds are loud, and cities will not allow that noise pollution that's going to be caused by basically hundreds of helicopters flying over the suburbs. If you've seen the early designs of a lot of these, I'll put links to a lot of stuff in the description. Uh, if you've seen the early designs, they're basically helicopters. They're futuristic-looking helicopters. Um, but... Just imagine if there were hundreds of helicopters flying over where you live every day. It'd be pretty annoying to say the least. That's why a lot of, uh, for example, real estate and homes that are near train stations or airports typically cost less because people don't want to be living near that noise 24-7. Now let's get on to pillar three, which is also partly designed. But anyways, it's important. Safety. Um... 50,000 people in the U.S. every year die in car accidents. And if every car accident meant falling 1,000 feet out of the air, there would probably be a lot more people dying every year. Um, so safety is paramount. And But I will say, airplanes are incredibly safe. Very, very, very few people die in airplane incidents, especially in the U.S., especially relative to the, I don't even know the number of flights every year, but I mean, there's got to be thousands and thousands and thousands of flights, and almost no one dies every year in the U.S. It's, it's pretty rare. The odds of you dying on a plane are incredibly low, so for those of you who are afraid to fly, Stop. It's way more dangerous to drive the car, which you do every day. But anyways, does this mean there's going to be a TSA for air taxis, or is there going to be minimal security? What about the safety of the actual aircraft? I mean, I do know from the initial designs, the from Uber at least, um, they have co-rotating propellers, meaning that they're both 
you know, co-rotating, going in the same way. So if one rotor were to fail, there's a second one there as a redundancy. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to take many other safety precautions, but it's definitely going to be important to know the failure rate of these flying taxis as they compare to actual, you know, commercial airplanes and seeing these similarities to see if they're going to be just as safe or maybe even safer. Obviously, they won't be going as fast or as high in the air, but, you know, they are going to be a thousand feet in the air, which uh, the difference between a thousand feet and three thousand feet when it comes to smack in the ground not much of a difference for a human body i don't think your limbs are going to live through that so this leads me to pillar four safety i should say this leads me to the fourth pillar which is probably maybe going to be the most difficult to tackle of all hard to tell but that's gonna be legislation getting government approval for flying cars is going to take a lot companies will have to prove the safety of their aircraft they're gonna have to prove that it's not gonna be super duper loud and annoying for all the residents of a city they're gonna have to get airspace approval from the faa which is not particularly easy um, there's probably going to be some type of special air taxi tax so that cities and states and maybe even the federal government can profit from this endeavor. Uh, for those of you who don't know, one of the reasons why airplane tickets have not gone down much over the past three years is because there's actually a lot of taxes. The typical $200, um, airplane ticket if I'm not mistaken, roughly 30 to $40 of every one of those tickets is actually just paid straight in taxes, which is kind of ridiculous. You're paying about a 20-25% sales tax on your airplane tickets, if you didn't know that. Um, so companies are going to have to prove the safety. Now, legislation is going to be the most boring topic. And listen, I'm not an expert on aviation law, so I'm going to say this this is all i'm going to say it's going to take teams of lawyers probably lobbyists and a tax incentive to get this pushed through which i think will happen it's just a question of the time frame i'm gonna guess probably two or three years we're in 2018 maybe by 2020 we'll start seeing some legislation actually pushed through so now let's get into the most important, kind of back to pillar one. Pillar one, the cost. Let's do a little bit of business analysis, the economics of this business model to see how much the flights will cost or rather how much the flight companies will have to charge to make a profit. Well, first, the biggest question is how much are these aircraft going to cost? Obviously, there's maintenance and all that, but I'm just going to look at the actual cost of building the things first. Um, well, they do appear to be glorified helicopters, as I said before. Um, so if you look at the cost of helicopters, a high-end, very high-end helicopter will cost you right around $1.5 million. But because these helicopters or these you know, air taxis are going to be electric and even more advanced, whatever, I'm going to say they're going to cost $2 million a piece, which is a very expensive uh, helicopter if it were just a regular helicopter. Now, let's say the company who owns them wants to make their money back in two years. So they pay the $2 million up front, and then in two years, they're able to make that $2 million back. 
Now, let's say they can fly the aircraft for 350 out of the 365 days a year, which is pretty reasonable. So that leaves 15 days a year for it to be out of service and going through repairs, whatever. Um, and they're able to have these things in the air for 20 out of the 24 hours a day. Again, pretty reasonable. This is exactly how the airline business runs. They want to have their planes in the air as much as possible because every second the plane is on the ground is a second that plane is not making money by charging for passengers. So they want to have them in the air. So we can kind of take the business model from airlines and apply it to this pretty closely. So let's look at an example here. So $2 million over two years is obviously $1 million a year. So they need to be able to make $1 million a year uh, back to pay this off in two years. So $1 million a year divided by 350 days that they're going to be able to fly it in a year is right around $2,860 per day. I'm going through some math here, but it'll all be worth it. Stick with me. It's just quick. You don't have to do anything yourself. So $2,860 a day divided by 20 hours of flight time per day comes down to roughly $150. I'm rounding up a bit to be conservative. But that's the basic idea of what they will charge per hour for the aircraft, $150 an hour. But let's not forget the pilot. These are supposedly, I should say actually, uh, from what I've seen in the in the distant future, maybe 10 years from now, going to be automated and not have a pilot at all, be self-flying, just like we're going to have self-driving cars. But for now, they're going to need a pilot. So I'm going to say that I did some research on what a regional pilot costs, and they make between $20 and $50 an hour. So I'm going to say for a flying taxi, they're going to make 30 bucks an hour. I think it's pretty reasonable. So now you add the 30 an hour to the 150 that's $180 an hour. Now, don't forget the markup they'll probably add, plus the money that needs to go to cover the cost of the Skyports. Didn't mention that before. I'm going to put some links in the description. There's actually a pretty funny article, and uh, the mock-ups for some of these Uber Skyports literally look like Star Wars creations. I they're they're hilarious looking, but hey, they look cool if they if they become real. But they also look expensive as you might imagine something out of Star Wars would be. So, I'm going to add another $20 per flight hour onto that because they're going to have to cover the cost of maintenance and skyports and all of that. So, now we're up to $200 an hour. Oh, and don't forget, like I said, the 10% flight tax minimum that is going to be charged on top of that. So now we're up to $220 per hour of flight. Now, again, that's a guess, obviously. That's totally dependent on the $2 million price for the vehicle and the 10% tax and all of that. But I think $220 per hour of flight is pretty reasonable. Um, I would guess somewhere between 200 and 250 would be the real thing. So 220 is pretty reasonable. And if you have four people per aircraft, you you know Uber pool, uh, that comes down to 55 dollars per passenger. I'm going to round it to 60 dollars just to be conservative. So 60 dollars an hour is what it's going to cost you for one person to fly. Um, 
per hour. Now, these aircraft are supposed to go about 200 miles per hour. So that means you're going to be paying $60 per 200 miles. Well, what is the distance of 200 miles? What you know, what uh, locations can you get to and from? Well, the distance between New York City and Boston is right about 200 miles. Distance between New York City and uh, Washington, D.C. is also about 200 miles. So you can get to either place in an hour, roughly an hour, hour, hour and a half for 60 bucks, which is much faster and cheaper than taking a plane or driving or taking a train. So that's definitely a situation where it could be very useful. Let's look on the West Coast where things are more spread out. LA to San Francisco is roughly 400 miles, so double. So you'll be able to get from LA to San Francisco in say two, two and a half hours for 120 bucks. Again, that's cheaper than a plane or right about what it's going to cost you to get on a plane, but it'll probably be faster. Um, it's going to be more expensive than driving, but again, much faster you get from LA to San Francisco in two hours, especially for business commuters. Definitely worth it in that case. So clearly, this actually can be economical, but it mostly comes down to how much each aircraft costs. I, again, I priced it based on a $2 million a piece price, but if, say, for whatever reason, it costs them $5 million a piece, well, then these economics get thrown out of the window. Unless, maybe, instead of the operating company wanting to make their money back in two years, say they're willing to wait, say, four or five years, then we get straight back to this price. There's many variables here that are too difficult to guess for a podcasting host who is not actually involved in the business planning strategy. But like I said, I'll leave it conservatively guessing somewhere around $250 per flight hour divided by the number of passengers. So maybe they'll fit 10 people in them. I don't think so. I think the idea was somewhere between three and six people. So maybe 250, 300 bucks per hour divided by four or five people. Pretty economically. I think this is very doable. The sound issue though is definitely real, but I'm not an engineer. So I'll leave that for someone else to discuss solutions as to how to make these helicopter flying taxis much quieter. I'm not exactly sure how they would go about that, but I'm sure there's very smart people out there that could figure it out. So in conclusion, you know, when I first heard about Google and Uber and other companies talking about creating flying taxis, I honestly thought it was more of a PR stunt than anything else. Just you know, I thought it was just something that these companies would say that they're doing just to get a headline or a news reporter to do a segment on them on the nightly news, you know. But now I actually think this is a budding industry, you know, ripe for the taking. I think the competition will be intense between, you know, startups and the major players like the Ubers and Googles and Boeings and whoever and Airbus. But I think flying cars could take the world by surprise. There's not so off of a chance that in five years from now, you'll be stuck in traffic on your way to work, staring up the, at the flying cars above and think, damn, I really got to get me one of those. 
Anyways, that's enough about flying cars. Let's get into the news. It's time for the news. All right, so a quick update on the Chinese-American trade war that I dedicated an entire podcast to a few weeks ago. It looks like it's being put on pause, and China is actually agreeing to incentivize its own people to buy more U.S. goods in an effort to reduce the $337 billion trade deficit between China and the U.S., who knows, maybe uh, maybe President Trump and the Chinese President Xi Jinping, I believe that's how you say it, Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping, I believe that's how you say it, I'm not completely sure, but maybe they sat down together and listened to my podcast and said to each other, you know, this guy, he makes some pretty good points. We, we can probably find another way to solve this conflict without hurting our very own economies. At least, that's what I'm going to tell myself. So, um, you know, you're welcome, America. And also, a quick shout-out to the startup StoreDot, S-T-O-R-E dot, uh, one word, who, not a sponsor, <laughs> who created working prototypes of what they call flash batteries. They've raised tens of millions of dollars from investors because they're creating a way to charge things or batteries that can be charged very fast. They want to be able to charge a phone, a smartphone like an iPhone, whatever, in one minute and to charge an electric car to full capacity in less than 10 minutes. Now, whether they will be able to accomplish this technology and take it from the prototype stage to the you know, real stage and mass produce them at a global scale, who knows? But this could be huge for the electric vehicle industry because range is really the biggest thing holding them back. No one wants to have to stop for four hours during their road trip to recharge the car. Or if you have a uh, 18-wheeler that's you know moving across country, you don't want to have to stop the 18-wheeler for six hours, eight hours to recharge it. You want to be able to stop and go just like you can with a tank of gas. But if they can figure out how to charge a car in less than 10 minutes, just like you can fill a tank of gas in less than 10 minutes, well, then they, StoreDot, will be very rich because the electric vehicle makers will line up to buy their batteries. And the electric vehicle makers will be rich as well because people will line up to buy the cars that can charge in less than 10 minutes. Exciting stuff. Who knows? I'm sure it's still a couple of years away. But hey, maybe in a couple of years, we'll have flying taxis that can recharge in 10 minutes. Who knows? Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, new podcast with podcast, podcast with Marissa on Friday, she'll be talking about, I don't even know what she's going to talk about, something health-related, I'm sure. Anyways, thank you so much for watching. Goodbye.
Hey guys, David here. I just wanted to personally thank you for listening to this podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would mean the world to me. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a positive review on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. It just means a lot to us. We're new. We're just getting started. So if you could help us out, that would be great. And also, we have been putting up some fire content on Instagram and on YouTube. So if you are not already following us or subscribed on Instagram and YouTube, then go to the show notes, click those links, and follow us there. We are posting content daily, so be sure to check it out. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening, and I will see you next time.